turn to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, page 56, starting in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I've promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people, so that when you leave, you will not let go, uh, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he, he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took, took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous, like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you, uh, since you have spoken to your servants. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? 
Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would do a mighty work amongst us now as Pastor Dave comes to preach the word to us. Would you fill him with your spirit? Would you fill us with your spirit? Father, would you bless your people? We are eager to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I remember very clearly a time when I was reluctant to trust the Lord's plan for my life. It was clear that he wanted me to do something that I was planning on doing, doing to do something different than I, what I was planning on doing. The people who knew me well and who were discipling me agreed that the Lord seemed to be leading in this direction, but I didn't like it. I was reluctant. I had questions. I had doubts. More on this story later in the sermon. Have you ever wondered if God has fallen asleep at the wheel because all of a sudden something unexpected has come into your life and now it feels like you're riding on those rumble strips that are on the side of the highway? You know, bum, 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 bum. The Lord has made, the Lord's plan has made your relatively smooth life feel bumpy. But you liked your smooth life, right? You know, you... Uh, you pick up your phone, it's buzzing in your pocket, and you're like, oh, it's God calling again. I think I'll let this one go to voicemail. I'll answer his call when I'm ready. Each one of us is reluctant to obey with something in our life. Each one of us is having a hard time trusting the Lord with something in our life. Maybe it's a difficult child, a discouraging diagnosis. Maybe it's a spouse that isn't a Christian. Maybe God's called you to care for someone in the middle of a crisis, to do that job, to work with that boss, to a season of trials, to a season of singleness, to a difficult marriage, to care for your aging parents or spouse, to speak the gospel to someone. And you look at yourself, and you look at the situation, it's like these things are just not fitting together. And rather than walking by faith and what God has called you to do, you find yourself reluctant to obey, entering into a dialogue with God, with questions, with doubts, begging God for a different solution, for a different way, a different plan. Like, God, you want me to do what? Like, me? Isn't there someone with more skills, with more gifts who can do this better? I can't do what you're asking me to do. I don't have what it takes. So in this passage today, we're going to see how the Lord responds to us and we are reluctant to accept his plan for our life. Moses is not thrilled with God's plan for his life. He was a simple shepherd going about his business when one day the Lord came and said, go back to Egypt and lead my people out of slavery. 
and he doesn't think this is such a good idea. Right? And so he enters into a dialogue with God. He has questions, he has doubts, and he even offers to God a solution he may not have considered. And the Lord very patiently responds to his reluctant servant with three truths. I am with you, I am for you, and I will work through you. And since this is such a long passage, let's break it up into three sets of two. Moses has two questions, two doubts, two solutions. Let's look at Moses' two questions. Back up to chapter 3, verse 10. Let's see what the Lord called Moses to do. That's page 56 in your pew Bible. The Lord said, now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. It's actually hard to blame Moses for responding this way. You know, remember what happened last time he tried to lead the people out of Egypt back in chapter 2? He ended up killing an Egyptian, becoming a fugitive on the run because Pharaoh, his adopted grandfather, was trying to kill him. And now it's been 40 years, and he's just a shepherd in the wilderness. No, no wonder why he asked God this question. Who am I? I'm the last person for this job. Notice what God doesn't say, what he doesn't say in response. He doesn't say, Moses, you are just so wonderful and special, and if you would just believe in yourself, you could do anything you put your mind to. He doesn't say that, right? He also doesn't say, listen, pick up your sandals, pick up your staff, and just go. He doesn't respond with pop psychology, and he doesn't respond like a football coach. What does he say? Look at verse 12. I'll be with you. So Moses, it really doesn't matter so much who you are, it matters who I am, and that I will be with you. And because I am with you, you will succeed. Look at verse 12 again. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. You know, one day, you'll be right back here, Moses, with my people who you've led out of Egypt, worshiping me. It's going to be okay, just go. There's something horrible and scary about being alone. That's why it's always comforting to have someone with us when we grieve or when we're about to do something intimidating. You know, even hardened criminals don't like being alone. That's why solitary confinement is such an effective punishment, right? Presence is comforting, especially if the one present with you is the God of the universe. So what does God tell Moses to encourage him to obey? He says, I'm with you. So next time you feel completely out of gas, totally over your head, filled with fear and anxiety, kind of just fixed on yourself and your circumstances, pause and remind yourself that God is with you. This simple, basic Christian truth. He's with you in the hospital room. He's with you late at night with the screaming child. He's with you in your marital crisis and that conversation about Christ and your grief. He's with you. And because he's with you, the impossible, not only be, the impossible not only becomes possible, but it comes guaranteed in his time, in his way. But nevertheless, the Lord will get you through it if he's called you to do it. That's true for our lives individually, but it's also true for our lives as a church, as the body. Whatever he has called us to do as a church, whatever he sent us out to do, he will be with us. So Moses says, okay, God, so you're with me. But who exactly is with me? 
If I go back and tell the people that God has sent me, they're going to want to know who you are. To Moses' first question, God says, I'm with you. But to his second question, he says, I am for you. Tell the people that I am for them. Look at verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell him? Moses is standing in front of a burning bush that is talking to him. Remember last week's sermon? It's the very holy presence of God come down to speak to Moses. So he might be convinced that this is, in fact, God sending him, but the people who he's called to lead out, they're not going to see this bush. The only thing they have to go on is Moses' testimony. Now, this is the same Moses who, 40 years ago, they rejected as their leader. So you can imagine if Moses just walked back into Egypt and was like, Hey guys, I'm Moses. Uh, you might remember me. 40 years ago, I tried to be your leader, but it didn't work out so well. So for the past 40 years, I've been hanging out with some sheep, but a bush told me to come back here and lead you out of Egypt. Like, who's ready? You're like, you're like, no. Of course they're not going to believe him, right? For the past 400 years, they've been in slavery without any hope, living in Egypt, which is a polytheistic country, a polytheistic religion. So there's all different types of gods with all different types of names. And in these ancient cultures, your name was not just something you put on a driver's license or a birth certificate. Your name conveyed important information about your character, your identity, and your mission. So Moses knows the people are going to want to know not just what to call God, but what is his character, his mission, his identity. Look at God's response in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is where we get the name Yahweh. You might be familiar with that name from Sunday school. Yahweh. The word Yahweh, the name for God Yahweh, is built off of the Hebrew verb hayah, which means to be. That's why it's translated I am. Every time you see the word Lord capitalized in your Old Testament, it's a reference to this name Yahweh. Look at verse 15, you'll see It says, the Lord, and it's capitalized. And if you're using the Pew Bible, there'll be a little footnote marker there, which brings you to a footnote at the bottom of the page. And it says, the Hebrew for Lord sounds like it may be derived from the Hebrew for I am in verse 14. So they're connected. Moses says, who do I say that you are? And God says, I am who I am. It's kind of a veiled response, right? Not very clear. If you were to call your accountant and the receptionist asked, who's speaking, and you said, I am who I am, she'd be like, click, right? (laughs) It's an interesting response from God. And what makes it even more interesting is he doesn't actually explain what it means. Rather than explaining what the name means, he reminds Moses of what he did in the past and tells him what he will do in the future. My people will know who I am based on what I have done and what I'm going to do. Look at verse 14 again. It says, I am has sent me to you. Now look at the parallel statement in verse 15. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. The Lord has sent me to you. The one who is sending you, Moses, is the one who was faithful to your ancestors. Now look at 16. Go to the elders of Israel and say to them, 
the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you, and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites. So what does God want the people to know about who he is? That he is the God of their ancestors who is acting now to deliver them. I am your faithful deliverer. I am for you. I am the God who makes promises to my people and who keeps promises to my people. Look at all the promises in in verse 17 and, and onward. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery. Verse 18, the uh, elders of Israel will listen to you. Verse 20, the king of Egypt will let you go. Verse 21, not only will he let you go, but he'll give you what you need for your journey. I am the same God who made promises to my people in the past, who is now making promises to you. The Lord, the I am, your faithful deliverer is for you. This is what we need to remember when God's plan for our life is different than what we thought it would be. God, how do I know that I can trust you to get me through what I'm going through right now, what you've brought into my life? Because I am who I am. I've never changed. I am for you. From generation to generation, I've seen the suffering and fear of my people, and I have not left them there, but I have come down to deliver them. Look back at the past promises I have kept and look forward to the ones that I will keep. You know, where do we look for strength to get us through whatever is hard for us right now? You look back, you look forward. Look back at the promises that the Lord has kept. He sent Jesus, our faithful deliverer, to die for our sins. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The cross screams to God's people, I am for you. Paul reminded the Romans of this when he said, if God is for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give him all things? Give us all things. If you can trust him with your sin problem, well, you can certainly trust him with your future. So you look back, but you also look forward. You know, one day, the I am, our faithful deliverer, will return and end all sin and suffering and death, and not just give us a little piece of real estate in the Middle East, you know, the land of the Canaanites, but a whole new heavens and a whole new earth. And on that joyful day, whatever you are reluctant to give up or to do will seem so small. On that day, all the things that make us reluctant to obey will seem foolish. Two questions, and now two doubts. The Lord answered Moses' questions with, I am with you and I am for you, but Moses still needs some more encouragement to obey. Now we're going to see how the Lord responds to Moses' doubts. He says, I will work through you. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not send you? Moses' first doubt is about uh, the people, about how the people will respond when he delivers the Lord's message. 
And again, you know, you can understand where Moses is coming from. It's a legitimate concern. You know, chapter 2, the last time he spoke to the people, what did they say? Who made you ruler and judge over us? They didn't respond well. So he's worried about how they're going to respond. I'm sure no one in this room has ever been reluctant to obey because they're worried about how someone else might respond. The uncertainty of people's response, you know, makes us feel like our feet are cemented to the ground. It's really hard to take that first step, right? It gives us doubts. How does the Lord respond this time to Moses? God, still being very patient, tells Moses that he will work through him, and he gives him three signs in in verses 2 through 9, three signs that he can show the people. A staff turned into a snake, turned back into a staff, a diseased hand healed, and water turned into blood. And, you know, these signs here are, are previews of coming attractions. The signs that Moses will do before the people, he will later do before Pharaoh in Egypt. So we're not going to dig into the signs now because that will be the focus of chapter 7 through 10. I do want to point out why the signs were given. Why did the Lord give the signs? You know, these aren't just cool magic tricks to keep little boys' attention in Sunday school, right? They are, the Lord is giving him these signs to encourage a reluctant servant to trust his Lord. Look at verse 5 of chapter 4. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. You know, Moses, I know that people are going to have a hard time believing you, so here's something that you can show them. Moses, if you would just go and trust me and do this hard thing, there'll be no question that I am for you because through your acts of faith and obedience, I will display my power. When God brings something into our lives, you know, whatever the situation is, no matter how hard it feels, the Lord will work through us to accomplish his power, to accomplish uh, his purposes. He'll reveal his power through our acts of obedience and faith. I'm learning that one of the greatest blessings of being a pastor is watching the Lord's saints do really hard things and endure much suffering simply because they trust God to be more powerful than their circumstances. The pastors pray through a page of the membership list in the morning, and I see some of your faces, and I just say, Lord, how? How do they get out of bed in the morning? How do they continue to face their lives? And I know it's only possible because the Lord continues in in many different ways to whisper into your ears, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'll work through you. Keep going. And armed only with trust in our Lord, we obey. And God displays his power through us. The obedience and Perseverance and steady trust is one of the greatest signs a church could ever perform. And in it, God's power is displayed. You talk to people who have obeyed the Lord through really hard times, you know, and, and so often they're able to give you a list of, of how they saw the Lord's power work through them, how the Lord accomplishes His purposes through them. If you're struggling to lean in to God's plan for your life right now, you might be missing out on one of the sweetest times with the Lord you'll ever know. 
you might be missing out on a chance to see God demonstrate his power through you. So God displays his power right before Moses' eyes. And amazingly, this still isn't enough for Moses. He still has doubts. Right? First, he doubted if the people would believe him, and the Lord said, don't worry about it, I'll work through your hands. And now he's going to doubt himself. And the Lord says, don't worry about it, I'll work through your mouth. Look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, this is chapter uh, 4, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I have not, never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses is worried because he thinks he knows speak no good. You know, remember the last time Moses had to, had to speak. You know, remember what happened with the people. Can you imagine how fearful he would be that now he has to go speak to Pharaoh? Right? And, and, you know, Moses knows that Pharaoh's advisors, his spokesmen, were excellent speakers and debaters. Remember, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. He's familiar with the courts. He knows how well these people speak. And he's like, Lord, I'm just an average Joe. Now, I'm not persuasive and quick-witted like these guys. I'm slow to speak. I can't do it. Now, I, I can identify with that, right? You finally figure out how to respond. But it's like two hours too late on the ride home. Moses just doesn't feel like he can measure up to these guys. But isn't it just like our God to use an 80-year-old shepherd who trips over his words to go speak to the most powerful and dangerous man on the planet? God is always using weak things to accomplish his purposes. You know, he sent the Savior of the world to earth as a baby. And he even uses little old me and little old you to accomplish things that seem impossible for his glory. God is very comfortable using weak and insufficient and incomplete people. In fact, the very reason why he has chose us is because we are weak and insufficient. Listen to this verse from 1 Corinthians 1. For consider your calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God is glorified in the nothings and the nobodies. Can you imagine if a, if a guy broke the record for highest speed on a bicycle using like his eight-year-old son's old rusted-out bike that he pulled out from behind the shed that had like training wheels on it and a Spider-Man basket on the front. You'd be like, that guy's incredible. He broke the record using such a weak instrument. And all the glory would go to the man and none of it would go to the bike. When God uses us in our weakness, all the glory goes to him because there's no way that we could have done it. So go, Moses. I know you don't speak well. Church, weakness is not a reason for reluctance. But weakness is a reason for reliance. Reliance on the power of God to even work through us. That's the battle of faith, isn't it? 
trusting that my weakness does not prevent the Lord from accomplishing His purposes, but is actually the avenue through which He will accomplish His purposes. So often I feel like that little boy in uh, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, that I just, I come to Jesus with just my measly five loaves and two fish, and there's 5,000. Lord, this is all I have. I know it's weak, I know it's insufficient, but it's all I have. In the Christian life, it is offering to God our breadcrumbs in faith and then watching him feed the 5,000 and worshiping him and adoring him as his power is displayed through our weakness. So if you're feeling weak today, if you're feeling like you can't carry on, you can't face what the Lord has called you to do, that's okay. That's a good place to be. It's actually a safe place to be. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And not only does God use weak people, he gives weak people what they need in order to accomplish what he's called them to do. Look at verse 10 again. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. Excuse me, Lord, I can't speak well. I couldn't speak well before you called me. And I certainly can't speak well now that you've called me. So in order, you, know, you haven't given me what I need in order for me to do what you called me to do. And he seems to be implying that to the Lord. Lord, you still have more work to do if you want me to go do this. Now, Lord, if you want me to share the gospel, well, you're going to have to make me really bold. Or if you want me to disciple that new Christian, well, you're going to have to give me more time in my schedule. Or if you want me to love my spouse, well, you're going to have to make them a little bit more lovable. Lord, if you want me to be content with my life, then you're going to have to give me what I want. I can't do what you're asking me to do because you haven't given me what I need to do it. You know, before we take that first step of obedience, right, we always want the Lord to answer all our questions, address all our doubts, give us all the skills and all the gifts we needed in order to accomplish it. But that's just not how God works. You know, God works on a step-by-step by step basis. He, he's involved in the process. He works with us and through us as we go. Remember the story I, I began telling at the beginning of the sermon about a time when I was reluctant to obey. That was actually uh, about six years ago when I was wrestling with a call to pastoral ministry. And uh, I was pursuing a career in education. I was in a master's program. There was a job that I had potentially lined up. I was engaged to be married. Everything was going according to plan. And then the Lord changed directions. And I had doubts. It's like, Lord, I can't be a pastor. I'm terrified of public speaking. Like, I can't preach a sermon. Like, Lord, I can't do what you're asking me to do because you haven't given me what I need to do it. But over the course of those three years, the Lord, very patiently, very kindly, taught an immature man to trust him one step at a time. And this man needs to learn that every single day. The Lord works one step at a time. So Moses had nothing to be worried about. God was capable of using him even in his weakness. And God would give him what he needed along the way to do what he called him to do. He is faithful. Look at the Lord's response in verse 11. Verse 11. 
The Lord said, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? You know, Moses is like, You can't use my mouth, Lord. And he's like, Don't worry about your mouth. I know all about your mouth. I made your mouth. In fact, I have complete control over all five of your senses. So, verse 12, go. I will help you speak. And I will teach you what to say. Two questions, two doubts. And now two solutions. God has said to Moses, I'm with you. I am for you. And I will work through you. He's been incredibly patient. He's been very kind. But in verse 13, Moses crosses a line. In verse 13, Moses offers God a different solution. Look at verse 13. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Uh Uh-oh. Moses moves from being reluctant to defiant. You know, four times the Lord has said, go back to Egypt, and four times Moses has raised some objection. The Lord said, go, 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 go. And Moses said, send someone else. Now look at the Lord's response. Look how it's different after the defiance. Verse 14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. There's a time to ask questions. There's a time to come before the Lord and wrestle with our doubts and our fears. But when we know what God wants us to do, it's time to go, 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 go. So we're all confronted here, aren't we? Because each one of us has a little bit of a Moses in us. And what have you been reluctant to obey? Have you been saying to the Lord, send someone else? You know, maybe you haven't been answering God's call to be a loving, available husband. Maybe you've been refusing to forgive someone. Maybe you've been hiding a sin from those around you. You Or maybe you're here today, you're not even a Christian. But Jesus has been drawing you and saying, follow me, whatever it is. The good news is that God gives grace to his defiant people. In just a few minutes at the end of the sermon, we will be going before the Lord's table that together we will be proclaiming his, his death for us. And there'll be some time to be still and quiet before the Lord. Maybe the first time, the first chance you've had all week. Use this time to trust him afresh as you consider the cross and ask him for strength to help you get through whatever you're reluctant to do in your life. Because the Lord will always have his way. One way or another, his plan for your life will be the plan for your life. Moses' Moses's solution is send someone else. But verse 14, God's solution is, I'll send your brother Aaron with you. He'll speak on your behalf. Moses, a reluctant servant. How unlike Moses was Jesus. Now when Moses got his marching orders from God, he said, send someone else. But Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus Christ, the I am, our faithful deliverer, never a reluctant servant, but always a willing servant. Moses wants God to find another servant. 
But Jesus took on flesh and came down to be our servant and said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And with this faithful deliverer, we have no reason to be reluctant, but every reason to trust because he is with us, he is for us, and he will work through us. Let's pray. Father, there are many in this room carrying the heavy burden of doubt and fear. Oh, Father, forgive us for being reluctant servants. Lord, you know how reluctant we can be to trust you, so comfort your people. Fill them with faith to face your plan for their lives at the moment. And Lord, let them know the joy of obedience. Teach us, Lord, to live a life for your glory. And teach us to trust you one step at a time. Amen.